Do not confuse this with treatment or mental health advice or direction. Nothing on this podcast is made to supplement or supersede the relationship and direction of your mental health caretakers. Although David Kozlowski is a licensed marriage and family therapist, he is not functioning as a certified mental health professional in this environment. But same applies to any professionals who may appear on the Light the Fight podcast. everybody out there you light the fighters um have we ever said that light the fighters no but i like it like the fighters we can get some pins made (laughs) yep well welcome to another episode of light the fight i is david and i'm heidi you're supposed to say i are heidi i remember i was trying to be you know i i just never i was trying to have bad english i'm not cool enough (laughs) you couldn't get my joke fast enough okay well, welcome, welcome as always, you guys, and we uh, wanted to share another uh, episode with you, talking about some things that, you know, if you're new to the podcast, some of our podcast episodes can be really deep and serious, but most of them are just us sending Heidi out into the world, and Heidi comes back, and then Heidi says, you know, I had this one question that I talked to a lot of moms at Walmart this week at this one, or, you know, at Costco, I had a conversation like this, you know. And so she's our correspondent, our real life mom correspondent that goes out into the world and talks to other moms and interviews them and gets stories from other people and then comes back and then we talk about it here on the podcast. So Heidi, why don't you uh, let us know, was there any moms or any other ladies or parents out there that you talked to in the past couple of weeks? And if so, what was the temperature? What were the questions like? There's usually like a, a theme. Have you noticed that, Heidi? <laughs> when you're talking to people out in the, in the community, like this, you know, it's thing, true. parents are kind of worried about similar things at similar times. So, you know, I think one thing about right now is that everybody's giving, I mean, we're giving people a lot of slack. We're kind of giving people a pass right now, just because it's so, it's kind of unknown. Um, I think that, you know, if you don't have it, maybe if you're not getting a job or if you don't know what you're going to do for school, you know, well, it's really hard to find a job right now. And we don't know what's happening with school. And so, you know, I, I think I did have an interesting question um, pop up and it was one that I could really relate to. And also one that I thought I didn't really have an answer for. So when this person, and I don't know the person, um, asked me, I didn't have any advice except for say, to say, yeah, I really struggle with that too sometimes. Um, But you said, but I know this cool podcast that might be able to get them to answer. Maybe I'll ask David that question. Um, So she was kind of describing this fact that she's got a child that is just very, very argumentative that wants to be right. And now is this like a child child or like a teenager child? 17 year old. A 17 year old child. A 17 year old child that okay, is so this is this a is a baby this is a baby adult. Yes. Okay. Um and she just feels like they're always arguing 
And she's like, my daughter just always wants to be right. And, you know, even when it's very obvious that I'm right, my daughter wants to be right. In fact, she said something like, if I told her that the sky was blue, she'd argue with me that it was purple. You know, um, and so she kind of said, how do I deal with somebody who wants to argue with me and fight over who's right? Um, you know, and here's where my thought went immediately. I come from a long line of people who want to be right. Mm. Yeah, there it is. And in my relationship with my mom, in order to not have conflict, which I hate conflict, so I don't even like to argue. I would agree or submit or get out of the situation just because I hated the conflict. But what it did to me was make me have a resentment and make me mad. And I was really, really good at closeting my anger. Um, now, when the tables have turned for me with my children, um, you, you know, moms are supposed to be right. That's our job to be right. We're supposed to be in charge. We're supposed to know the things. And um, I try really hard not to go for that. I'm right and you're wrong. But when I don't get my way, I don't really like it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, like you said, in your defense, it's in your DNA. It's not your fault. That's right. And so I claim the fifth or what, what, what amendment do you claim if it's just in your DNA? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> Please the fifth is you don't know what's going on. So, so here, so here's the boil, the question boiled down. Okay. If you're wanting to have a relationship with somebody okay. and all they want to do is argue, even if you know that they're not right and you think you're right, which sometimes when you have a 17 year old and you have a parent, there's a chance that the parent's seen it from a, a different perspective and maybe the parent is right. Well, Cause I'm the parent, right? <laughs> but I'm sure recording a podcast. But um, how do we preserve the relationship and also preserve our, our position and, and share our position. Maybe, maybe even influence our position without it coming to blows. And, and then even without having a child who maybe is like fine and leaves and creates that ball of resentment because that resentment It doesn't just go away. It doesn't just magically dissipate over the years. No, you carry that with you. Yeah. And you remember it. You know, 
it doesn't make for good relationships. So either side of these, and, and maybe, maybe I'm presenting a spectrum here that we like to talk about where over here, you got to be right. And over here, you're like, fine, forget it. And you walk away. You know, I mean, do you run into this? Like conversations are this, I, I would think that this is something that a lot of us can relate to. Yeah, I mean, first off, you know, the um, the scenario, before I go back, um, I'll need a little bit more details on that specific question. If you want me to answer that question, if you want me to answer, you know, more more generally, because um, you did bring up an initial question, right? The initial question is, how do I maintain a relationship with a child that wants to argue with me all the time? Yeah, it's 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 difficult when when you have a child that wants to argue all the time because many of us human beings, um, when someone's poking at us, when someone's prodding at us, it's it's very tempting to fire back. It's very tempting to say some things back. Um, <clears throat> I can tell you though, one thing that I I didn't know when I was younger it was going to feel this good, but I love having the ability knowing when I go into any conversation, any situation, that any person in that conversation, no matter what they say, what they try to do to agitate me, that there's nothing that they can do that's going to create contention or an argument between me and them. So let's say I have someone who always has to be right, because that's a very common one where you know, a know-it-all always has to be right. And there's some people that that is where they get like all of their, their self-worth is in that being right. Piece. Well, and there's also some people that they value at a very high rate that they are smart and intelligent and they can figure out things and control things. And when they come across one of those other people, that's a bad combination <laughs> because then you're trying to make sense of like, wait, why would they say this? That doesn't make any sense. Why would a person come at me and say this, that, 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 you know, it just, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, but I'm telling you, um, it feels really good. And I know by no means am I perfect at this, but it feels really good to know when I'm in a conversation, when I'm talking with people that I have complete control over my emotions. See other people out there, they want to make sense of things so bad that they're easily manipulated. Their emotions are easily manipulated and swayed one way or the other. I know some raising people. My hand. Are, I'm raising my hand. <laughs> yeah, I I know a couple people in my family who are master manipulators, and when I watch them manipulate other human beings, I sit there in almost amazement at how crafty that this person talks to another person. Now I'm thinking of a woman in my family. She is getting another family member on her side because. She doesn't have a lot going on for her in her life, so she always needs help. So she starts telling this family member this rumor, this thing's going on, and made it look like she was a victim, made it look like she had all these horrible things happen to her. And this family member is like, what? Oh, man, I got your back. You know, if you ever need this, and like instantly just getting this person on their team. By the way, I knew it was a total lie. I knew none of it was true. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, 
that was a thought out cunning thing for that person to do. Now, I'm not saying that that's, that's a bad person, but I'm using an example of sometimes other people, they don't want people to be mad at them. They don't want people to be upset with them. They, they, they don't want to be on the short end of the stick. And, you know, I find for myself the best thing that I can do, and because obviously we like to talk about modeling a lot, is I like to model a person that doesn't take what other people say as a personal attack. I like to model and pretend like, what if this person is telling me something, even though I think it's ridiculous, even though I think they're trying to be, they're all right, you know, that they're all snooting, they know everything. What if I just kind of go along with it and I'm just agreeable, la la la. I, I can't, no one's going to be able to really argue with me or fight with me or contend with me. Now, other people, they feel it's a moral, it's a moral thing where someone's speaking out of turn, if they're saying ridiculous stuff, you have to stand up to them and you have to tell them that they're wrong or that you're right. For me, I just know that when I'm the person dealing with people who have some very harsh opinions or like to be right all the time, it, when I want to be right, it guarantees that it's all going to go wrong. It's going to be a power struggle, a back and forth between the two of us. So I've already conceded going into some conversations with certain types of people. And this would be like someone I have a, I've had a history of having a difficult time with, or they have a difficult time with talking with other people. I know going to that conversation that I can't have any expectation that this person is going to show up and be a certain way. I'm just going to allow myself to just be around that person. If that person starts saying things that I don't agree with, instead of saying, Hey, I think what you're saying is ridiculous. Just say, Oh, gosh, you know, oh man, I, I didn't know you thought that way. Anyways, you just kind of keep on going, keep on trying to get the conversation into a different direction and just kind of steer it into a different path. Um, I, I like being in control of my emotions. I like it when I'm talking to parents and teenagers and kids, when they start to learn how to be in control of their emotions. And the number one thing you can do to become in control of your emotions is not trying to make sense of other people's emotions. And if you're trying to make sense of why they always have to be right and um, why they're pushing, you know, to, to be, you know, a know-it-all or whatever it may be, then you could get easily agitated by that, just trying to search and discover, like, why are they being like this? Instead of just going along with it and allowing it to just kind of just brush off your shoulders. I know it's hard to do. It's really hard to do with certain types of people. But if you're easily agitated, you can't play it cool. People that are able to play it cool in these situations they offer a great, it's like, they're like an oak tree in the middle of a storm. You know, they, they bring a lot of stability, someone that can play cool. You know, you brought up something that, I guess these two things go hand in hand and maybe that's why I get myself into trouble. <laughs> you said not taking it personally and being in control of your emotions. And then I like this whole, you know, we've talked about, you might not be cool, but you can play it cool yeah. um, situation. I, um, it's really hard for me not to take personal offense when somebody thinks I'm wrong or when somebody's mad at me, I get my, I get my feelings hurt. And so then I'm doing exactly what you said is I've allowed that situation to take control of my emotions rather than me 
having control of my emotions. Yeah. And so is it, is it just being trying to be aware that helps you or just that like, okay, I'm supposed to be playing it cool, playing it cool, playing it cool. You know? Yeah. It's, it's more than being aware, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's making the decision ahead of time. Heidi was talking about, if you haven't been to any of our um, workshops or listened to a couple episodes I've talked about before, it's like, you don't have to be cool. Like the situation doesn't have to be cool. You don't have to be happy and in a good mood. But so it means, so it goes like this. You don't have to be cool to play it cool. So in these situations, if you learn how to play it cool, you're not going to agitate the situation and make it worse. You're not going to provoke the person that you're having the problem with and cause them to get triggered and react. And then it just, it goes all downhill from them. So, you know, playing it cool doesn't mean that you can't come back later on and address, you know, more serious issues. But at this particular moment, Playing it cool with certain people is allowing them to show their hands and their cards. They show all their emotions and you just kind of sit back and observe, you know, what type of person they are at that moment. Like, what is their intentions? But if you're getting offended, if you're trying to make sense and get defensive of what someone says right off the bat, you're missing out on the whole entire opportunity to learn about the situation, about this person, what their intentions are, what's going on. You know, it's, it's basically like when you're trying to process information you need to be downloading information. If you're trying to make sense of what someone did, or if you're quick to be offended, or you know if they're being a know-it-all and you're quick to get irritated, you're going to miss out on all these other little cues and all these other little things that you could have picked up on, but you're just not going to notice it because you're too busy being upset or frustrated with the person. And I, I wish I would have learned this at a much younger age. I would have, man, I would have soaked up. I was resistant to so much more knowledge and information um, when I was younger, even when I thought, you know, I, I already went to graduate school and I already had a graduate degree. I, I, I thought I'd known a lot, but I, I didn't quite understand how to learn by just going along with things and playing them cool. I remember in crisis treatment situations when I'd be in a, a situation where, you know, there might be someone that needed to be restrained because they were unsafe themselves for others. And I know in some of these crisis situations, you know, it's like the bells are going off, you know, imagining you're in a psychiatric hospital because that's what one of these situations was. And you're running into this. You don't know what's going to happen. It's like, wee, 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 wee. all these things are happening. And I just learned certain ways as I'd come in and said, oh, my gosh, what's happening? What's going on? I come in and say, hey, I, I get it. I get it. It's been a rough day for everybody. So come on, let's everybody just come out to the middle of the, you know, over here. Let's just move over here. Just come on, you know, it's all good. We're here now. It's chill. We're going to turn off the alarms. And I just kind of just start talking them, la, 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 and just kind of slowly bring it down and bring it down. I found out from other people, they'd run in, they go, what's going on? What happened? <gasps> they came in all heavy, heavy and, and, and breathing really hard and didn't know, what to, didn't know what to do and didn't know how to handle the situation. I just realized that the people that played it cool were the ones that got the best information and learned the most from the scenario. I, I like this suggestion of just not letting your emotions get played into um, in an argument specifically. And, you know, as I'm sitting here listening to you, I'm kind of thinking about some experiences that have happened in my life, even just in the last couple of weeks where maybe I'm not the one that's arguing or trying to be right. 
but I've lost control of my emotions in the situation. And, you know, I think that that ties back to what we talk about all the time about being a first responder and, you know, not being a first overreactor. Yeah. (laughs) You know, my specialty of just, you know, being so calm in all situations. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think was the turning point for you when you realized, like you said, it wasn't even that long ago, if it was when you were getting your, you know, when you were done with your doctorate, that you realized that, like, what was the turning point when you realized that staying emotionally neutral was a, a powerful tool? Um, well, first off, I, I, I never finished my doctorate. I stopped with a master's. Oh, sorry. Um, in full, in full, no, in, in full confession, they told me how much more work I still had left to do. I go, ah, just, I'll take that master's degree. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait, just to counsel people, I can stop here. They go, yeah. I go, what was I trying to do? <laughs> I just did a U-turn, went back and cashed in, you know, some of those checks. I'm just kidding. I got it. Um, got it. Yeah. So, um, and I'm sorry, what was the question again? Yeah. I, I just got distracted. Cause when you said I doctor degree, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa I don't have a doctor degree. Hold oh, on. sorry. Okay. So, sorry. Go ahead and say the question one more time. So my question is, what do you think helped you turn the corner? Um, in being able to just being able to play it cool and, you know, being able to calm down the situation. Yeah, I mean, you said that you wish you would have learned that earlier. Um, do you think that it was just being in those highly intense environments and seeing how losing your cool wasn't helpful? Yeah, without trying, without, um, you know, I, I get a little cheesy warning alert. Um, it's a little, little spoiler alert. I'm about to be cheesy. Um, the first couple of places that I worked with, um, one was a boys' group home and one was a psychiatric hospital. And I was working two different jobs at the same time. And both these jobs were very, very difficult, meaning, there's res- multiple restraints a day where people having to get held down against their own will, um, you know, cause it was pretty intense type of a place. And right when I first started working there, <clears throat> I found out pretty quickly, there's one or two people on the whole entire property that something about when they walked into a room, everybody just kind of like mirrored and mimicked them. Like they controlled the temperature of the room. They controlled everything about the room. Unfortunately, not all of these people were like good at what they did. Some of them, they controlled the room, but it was always very intense and controlling. And there's a couple that were good and there's a couple that weren't good. But I just saw really quickly that um, when a kid would be in a room and this one person is very controlling, very mean, would walk in the room, I'd be in the room. And when that controlling, mean, intense person walked in the room, like it was a shift leader, shift manager. When they'd walk in the room, I could feel it, something so much different. Like I cringed. The kids would cringe that were in the room with them. And it was just, it was so powerful. <laughs> I I was tripping out. I remember the first couple of times we did this because we did these role plays where I would pretend to be a teenager that was losing their mind. And then one of the other people would pretend to be a staff. 
Well, you'd be surprised, just like role playing, like, you know, with, you know, what they're saying, obviously, you know, the, the police and other, you know, stuff, you know, they want, you know, and believe they need a lot more of like role playing these dangerous situations, right? We'd role play these dangerous situations. And I tell you, I tell you what, when I was pretending to be a teenager in these role plays, I would feel the energy of an angry teenager and I'd want to fight the person that was one that was just pretending to be my counselor. But if they're pretending to be my counselor, like a bad counselor, that's what they do. They put us in situations so we could feel how these teenagers would feel. If they go, here's a bad counselor, how would you feel if you're a teenager and you'd want to punch the counselor? Right. So this was all very good for us. But early on, when I started having these experiences and finding out, like it felt really different to have a person that walked in the room that was a calming, soothing person. And those types of people always came in with just very simple things that they, when they said, when they walk in that, Hey, it's all good. Hey, no need, no need everybody. You know, it's going to be okay. We're all good. Calm down now. I'm here. It's cool. They just instantly, as soon as they got there, they said, Oh, it's all taken care of. We're good. Like they would almost act as if everything was now going to be better because they walked in the room versus running and saying, what's going on? What's happening? Who did what? Instead of interrogating, and, you know, the people that interrogated that came in, oftentimes they would cause a teenager to flip out, would cause them to need to be restrained. I saw so many people that would create kids restraint because they would posture the kid, the kid would, the kid would posture back. And next thing you know, they'd be wrestling on the ground. You know, it just, it was just a very commonplace thing, but it was always the feeling and the energy of the person. So I just wanted to mimic the person who's playing cool because the person who played it cool in these facilities, these are the people that everyone respected and admired. And I just wanted to be a, a person that teenagers respected and admired. And I just followed what those people did. And, I, and then over the years, you know, I figured out ways, you know, that worked for me and then gave suggestions to other people. David, you're really good at being cool. <laughs> um, I've seen it. You're a master. <laughs> hey, well, I, uh, all I needed to do to practice and to get really good at this as a grown man is I'd have a, a family that was very out of control and then try to play it cool every single day when everybody was losing their mind. See, I, I was I was born in the perfect situation <laughs> to be a family therapist. Yeah. You know, I think <clears throat> I think my takeaway personally and I think I'm usually kind of along the same pages as some of our listeners is to really think about where my emotions are and if I'm in control of emotions or if I've given up control of my emotions. Um, You know, and then that whole playing it cool, not because not winning an argument doesn't mean that you're not right. And it doesn't mean that ultimately, you know, you, you are the parent, the buck does stop at at some point with you. It just depends on how you want that relationship to be. Um, I think that, I think that keeping your emotions in check and not taking things personally is a really good place to start and a really, a really good place, you know, maybe in this coming week, those of you who are listening that can relate to this, just really 
think about if you're getting your feelings hurt when your kid doesn't want to do what you've asked or, you know, when you're getting pushback from a relationship, you know, and, and how can you back down and play it cool? Incidentally, I'm not that great at playing it cool, but I'm working, I can work on it. <laughs> She's trying to play it less hot right now. <laughs> less boiling. Well, um, thank you, David, on behalf of the listenership here. Um, oh, thank you, Heidi, on behalf of everybody needing a real mother to go out there and have real questions and challenges. <laughs> um, well, I think we probably wrap it up there. Yeah. Um, yeah. The big cyber hug and socially distanced uh, <laughs> and socially distanced experience um, with everybody. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate your effort and your desire to improve your relationships. Um, if you have a question or if there's a topic you would love for us to discuss or something you'd like to bring up with David, um, you can always message me a question <laughs> through the Light the Fight Instagram um, or you can email at our Light the Fight uh, website. And I can kind of, you know, ease these questions into our conversations. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, um, Anyway, as always, you guys hang in there, stay healthy, stay well, stay sane, play it cool, That's and right. thank you for helping us to light the fight.